Masechet Nedarim, Daf Ayin. We start with the last question in the series of questions by Ba'ayarava uh, about nullification and ratification. And then we're going to see the next Mishnah comparing the power of a father to a groom over the right to nullify the vows of the daughter slash, um, uh, slash bride. Okay, so here's Rava's next question. This is a long compound question, uh, and we're going to answer it, answer only the last one, uh, since each one builds up on, on each other. Okay, so Rava, Kayam Lichi Hayom Mahu. On the day that, um, let's say it could be a father or a husband, let's say the case of a father, and he hear, the day that he hears about his minor daughter made a vow, and he says, it is ratified for you today. So he's using language of ratification, uh, which would sound like, okay, yes, it's going forward, but he adds today. So that sounds like only today. So what does that mean? Does it mean it's only ratified today, but it's nullified tomorrow? I only want it to be okay for today, but not tomorrow. In that case, starting tomorrow, it's nullified. Or do we say, well, he didn't say it's nullified. He just said it's ratified today. And since to use no language of nullification, so it continues to be in force from today and on. And um, even though he added the word today, but if you want to nullify it, you have to say you nullify it. If you don't say anything, then it continues to be in force. That's the first uh, uh, question. Now, building on that, if you want to say, well, you didn't say nullified, so even though you said ratified today, it's not nullified. What if he said, it's nullified tomorrow? Do we say on the one hand, he can't nullify it tomorrow, it's too late, right? There's a window of opportunity, um, which is the day that he hears about it. On that day, he can nullify it. So by saying, I'm going to, it's nullified starting tomorrow, but tomorrow he doesn't have the power to nullify it, therefore it's in force. Since for this day, he ratified the vow. He didn't actually ratify it, he just didn't nullify it. And by not nullifying it today, so that means it continues. Or do we um, infer something from his language? Since he didn't say that it's, uh, that it's ratified for you from today, so when um, he says that it's nullified tomorrow, what he means is that it's nullified already today. In that case, it would continue to be nullified. All right, that was the second question. Now we build on that and we say, If we assume uh, like the first option in that question, uh, that since he ratified it today, meaning that he did not nullify it today, and he said it will be nullified tomorrow, uh, therefore it's as if he ratified it, um, uh, because he only said it will be nullified tomorrow, but you can't nullify it tomorrow. So if we assume that branch, then then we have the next question, which is, on the day that he hears it, the father says, it is ratified to you for one hour, not for the whole day, only for an hour of today. What does that mean? Does that mean that it's as if he said, it's ratified only for an hour, 
But an hour from now, it's going to be nullified. And he, that's on the same day. And he can nullify it on the same day. So that means it will be nullified. Or do we say, well, he didn't say it's nullified. Since he just said it's ratified for an hour. So, okay, it's ratified for an hour. And after that, it continues. And if he says nothing else the rest of the day, then it remains ratified. And it does continue. Uh, so that's the third question. And if we say, assume the second one here, that he didn't say anything, and therefore, just because he said it's ratified for an hour, doesn't necessarily, we don't infer from that that it's going to be nullified after an hour. He didn't say anything. If he didn't say anything, then it continues in force. If we take that side, then we build on that. What if he did say that it's nullified after an hour? On the one hand, do we say, so once he says it's ratified, even though he only said for an hour, once he says it's ratified, it's ratified. That's it. You know, like Once you check the box, now you can't go and undo it. You know, sometimes there's a form online, right? Once you fill it in, yeah, you have all, all day to fill in, fill it in, right? The deadline's not up yet. But once you fill it in, then you, then it's submitted, and you can't go back and change. And so, therefore, once he, even though he said only for an hour, it doesn't matter. Once you ratify, you can't annul. Or, since the entire day, he is an open window uh, to either ratify it or nullify it. So, when he says it's nullified after an hour, even if he said it's ratified and then he says nullified, that's effective and he can do that. This is like open enrollment. Right, where you have uh, a week to uh, decide to opt in or opt out of the medical your uh, medical insurance, right? So you can change your mind as many times as you want, as long as before the deadline you can do that. Um, so is it more like that, or is it like the submit button? Then you only have one time to submit, and once you said it's ratified, even for an hour, that's it. You can't, you can never go back. All right. Since each of these builds on each other, we really only have to address the last one, and then we can. Um, uh, assume the answers of the ones before. So we're going to answer it based on a Mishnah in Nazir that says Tashema. Had any Nazira v'shama ba'ala v'amar va'ani en yachol hafer. A wife says, "I declare myself to be a Nazira." The husband hears and says, "Me too." Right? That works. If you hear someone make a vow, you don't have to make, and you want to also join in, you don't have to have the say the full formula. You could just say, "Me also." And then that then you are also obligated. So the law is of Mishnah is once he says va'ani, that's kind of like ratifying her vow, right? By saying, I'm also going to join together with you means that he's supporting her. So even though he didn't say the la exact language of Kayam, um, he can no longer nullify it. Ve'amai, and we ask, why? Nema va'ani damar hu al-nafsheh haven nazir, aval hareni nazira dila desha'achat kaima lachar sha'a iba elefar amai en yachol lehafer. Lab mishum de kevan shekiyemo kayam. So we ask, why should this be true? Maybe when he says, me also, I also want to be a Nazir. What he means is, yes, he himself, for on him, say he wants to apply the Nazirut on himself. But her, regarding her vow that she says she's going to be a Nazira, he only wants that to exist for one hour, right? Just kind of an hour doesn't mean literally an hour; it just means for a short time, just enough time that he can apply the vow to himself. But he wants after an hour. 
for it to be nullified. He doesn't want it to continue. It's more like he's saying, you know, she says, I'll be, I want to be a Nazir. He says, no, I don't want you to be a Nazir. I'll be a Nazir instead. Um, so why, why wouldn't we say that? So how come he can't undo her vow after and say, I only meant that I wanted you to be a Nazir for a few minutes. I was okay with it for a few minutes just cause, so I could say it applies to me. And then I can, I can decide that to nullify it. Why not? Is it not because it is a, it is a ratification, right? Because he is ratifying it for a, a short time for that hour. And we can learn from this that once a husband ratifies his wife's vow, even for only an hour, that it sticks. It's like pressing the submit button and you can't go back on it. And therefore we can learn, derive from here, from this Mishnah, the, um, the very, the, the last case here also, once he says you are, it's ratified, even if it's only for an hour, um, that's it. Uh, it's ratified and he can't annul it even on the same day. So is this a good proof? We say no, not necessarily. La kasabar kol vaani kemanda mar kayam lichile olam dame. No, this uh, this Mishnah, the author of this Mishnah, only just thinks that why by saying vaani, me too, I'm also going to be a nazir. That's as if he's saying it's ratified forever. Right? It's not. It's not like you're saying for a short time. By saying that me too, it means I agree with you. This is a good thing that you did. I want it to be fully ratified, and that's why he cannot undo it afterwards. But maybe if he has said only for a short time, right, that it's uh, fulfilled uh, for Shah, then maybe not. Maybe he could, in fact, ratify it afterwards. So we end without a final proof to that list of questions. All right, we get to the next Mishnah, which we already visited before. That teaches, Meta'av lo nitrokena deshut la'ba'al. Meta'ba'al nitrokena deshut la'av. Uh, that when a na'ara me'orasa, so she's a 12-year-old whose uh, father married her off uh, with kiddushin only, but not nisuin, and so she is living under in her father's house. If she makes a vow, the law is, when they're both alive, the law is that both of them have to come and nullify it together. But what if one of them dies? Oh, well, as we saw already, the father's power is greater than that of the groom or future husband. Because if the father dies, the authority to annul does not empty out, pour out, literally, does not transfer to the husband. And the husband is stuck because the father died and he didn't nullify it. Um, the husband can, the, the vow cannot be nullified. The husband cannot do it alone. Whereas the other way around, if the hus, if she makes a vow and the husband, and the husband died, the future husband dies, then that's it. He's out of the picture. The father regains full authority. The, uh, his, the husband's authority over her transfers to the father and the father can nullify for himself and can nullify the, um, that, that part of the authority that the husband had. And in this way, the power of a father over a daughter is greater than the um, the power of the husband over his future bride. That's uh, part one. Now, part two says, "But we want to we want to balance it out, and we want to point and we point out a way in which the future husband." is power over his bride is actually greater than that of the father of the daughter. Because after all, a husband cannot, can annul his wife's vows even when she is an adult, no matter how old they are, right? They could be 80 years old 
and she makes a vow, the husband can still annul it. Whereas a father has a shorter window. He can only um, he, he can only undo the vows of his daughter when she is a na'ara. When we, as we saw, when she's very, very little, then her words don't have any effect. But when she's about 11 until she is a na'ara, which is 12 to 12 and a half, um, about, depending on her physical development, uh, th that's the only time when the father can undo the, the, the vows of his daughter. Once she, she is older than that, even if she's single and living in the father's house, the father doesn't, has no power over his adult daughter's vows. And so that's a way in which a husband has greater power. Good. Maitama. We, we, we're looking for a source that the authority over um, um, uh, women's vows does not refer, does not go to the husband even after the father dies. How do we know that? Because the Pasuk says, As long as she is a Na'ara, she is considered in her father's house. Um, even if the father died, uh, still, she's not fully married to the husband, so the husband does not have right, full rights over her until the Nisu'in, and she moves in with the husband, is in the husband's house, right? So it's not dependent on the father being alive, it's dependent on her um, being in her father's house, and she's a Na'ara, so that's how we know the husband does not gain full control over her, even though the father died. Now, how do we know that if the husband dies, that the father can nullify both sides, both shares of the authority? And that second paragraph in the parasha there, it says, if she should be to a man and she already has vows on her. We saw that the Peshat means that she already had vows coming into the marriage, but um, uh, this Midrash is going to take it um, uh, a little differently and focus on the words The double language is referring to two different times when she was engaged. Uh, so let's imagine, we're imagining a case here where she was, she did Kiddushin to one man and he died, and then she does Kiddushin to a second man. And we're comparing those two cases as follows. And so here we are actually accessing the, accessing the Pshat and talking about vows that she had made before the Kiddushin in each instance. And so the, any vows that she made before the first Kiddushin, should have a similar law to any vows that she made before the second kiddushin, or rather, the second should be like the first, like the ones that made before the second should be like the ones she made before the first. In what way are they similar? Just like any vows that she made before the first kiddushin, the father alone nullifies them because when she made them, she was under her father's authority only. She was not; there was no kiddushin yet. Right, and here's here. This is the place where the midrash is going against the peshat. And the peshat, uh, the husband, once he, uh, the husband can undo the vows that she comes into the kiddushin with. Um, but here, um, the, which is a midrash, as we saw before, says no. Um, anything that she, any vow she makes before kiddushin, it's the father only, and the husband cannot do anything about them. Okay, so now that we know that. That's what that's what we're transferring over to the other case. So to any vows that she made 
before the second Kiddushin. That will include any vows that she made while she was a, a widow, and even vows that she made when the first husband was alive. Um, the father can annul them on his own. And so that's, uh, that's a bit of a complex derivation, but that's the derivation that if she made vows while she was engaged to the first husband and the first husband dies, then the father alone can annul them, um, just like he was able to annul any vows she made before the Kiddushin. Okay, so uh, this applies not only when she ha gets has, has, does Kiddushin twice, even if she doesn't uh, do Kiddushin a second time, and she's just back to being a single a widow, uh, again, uh, nevertheless, it's the same law, and that's how we know that the father can nullify his own share and the share of the deceased groom. Fine. Hold on, we say, you haven't proven all cases. It could be that this derivation will only be good for vows that the the arus, right, the groom, did not know about. Since he didn't know about them, so they never came under his jurisdiction at all. That's a general rule that once a husband or father learns about a vow, now, okay, now he has access, right? Now the form is, is open. You can uh, right, open the form and he has one day to decide yes or no, or do nothing, in which case it continues. Um, but if he didn't know about it at all, Nadim Shelon, that's only if he didn't know about it at all, that's when the husband never had access to them, never had authority over the vow. So if he dies, oh wait, he was never in the picture, now he's out of the picture. In that case, the father can nullify them alone. That makes sense. But, um, but if the, husband, the groom, before he died, he learned about it, and he was thinking about, should I, uh, should I nullify it? Should I ratify it? But then he died before he did anything. Well, in that case, we would say, no, he already had access to the authority. He never got to fill out the form or to, to say if it's ratified or not or nullified. But that's it. He died. And now that the authority uh, remains, uh, remains uh, with him. Uh, in the grave, and the father then can has no access to it. The father cannot do it alone. So you didn't prove every every case just from this one derivation. And we answer even that dim shelon irularus mi beneoreha bet bet aviha nafka. We say no for the for nedarim that the arus that the groom never heard about. We don't even need this whole derivation. That's obvious from the basic pasuk um, that says uh, any vows that she made when she was. Well, this is from the conclusion pasuk all the way at the end of the chapter that any vows that she made as uh, naara while in her father's house. Uh, so anything that she makes while in her father's house the father has the authority to undo if the husband never even learned about them. So that's just obvious from the from the uh, simple reading of the Pasuk. We only need this more complex derivation of Hayotihie for the case when the uh, when the husband when the groom did know about it, about the about the vow and then died. So yes, we can learn all the cases. All right, and now the second clause of the Mishnah said, uh, Right, there was one way in which the father's power was greater, that the father can undo a vow after the groom dies, but there was also the other way where the groom's uh, power is, is greater uh, because a husband can undo his wife's vows 
even no matter how old she is. So that's greater. Now we ask, Kechidami, what is a case that is talking about in which um, the uh, husband, in which she is, uh, uh, in which a husband can undo her vows and a father can't, right? What case is it talking about? And maybe it's not my case when she was a Na'ara, she was just 12 when she did Kiddushin, um, and she made a vow at that point. And then the husband didn't hear about it until after she became uh, she became an adult, right? Until twelve and a half or plus, then the, then the husband heard about it. So that can't be the case, and that we would say, well, the father can't do it anymore, but the husband can, um, and that's how the husband's power is greater than the father, right? I mean, it's a it's a the scenario makes sense, but the the law would not be that the husband can do it alone. Because here we're going to make an analogy between the between uh, death and growing up. Just like death of the father does not remove the father's authority and bring and give it to the husband, and the husband cannot undo the vow. So too, growing up also does not remove um, her from the authority of the father since she made the vow while she was an ara. Right, and that's the comparison. Just like mamita, um, it, it does not go. It does not uh, transfer. Um, the the authority does not transfer to the husband when the father dies. So too, by growing up, the transfer does not go to the husband from the father just because she grew up because she made the vow as a naada. So um, that can't be the case. Even if she grows up, you still need the father and the husband. Uh, to annul the vow because she made it while in the Ada. So that can't be the case. Ella, Rather, um, she did the Kiddushin and she made the vow after she was already a Bogeret. Um, okay. And that's why the father has no access to, uh, to, to the vow, even though it's only Kiddushin. She's not living with the husband yet. When you're living with the husband, that's for sure. But even though she's not living with the husband, because she made the vow when she was an adult, the father has no longer has authority. That's where we're talking about that the husband has greater power and he can annul the vow alone. Now, this works. This is, in fact, the law, and this is a good answer. The problem here is that there's another Mishnah coming up uh, in three Dapim that says, um, We already learned it in a future Mishnah. That Mishnah says, If she waited, already 12 months to to marry and the guy is delaying and you know be uh, uh um he, he's pushing off the wedding then rabbi eliezer in the mishnah there says you can see the mishnah here uh we'll get it that waits 12 months or amana for 30 days rabbi eliezer says um since the husband has to start start feeding her right that's part of the kid to buy he says i'm going to feed you once we're married now they're not married yet because of him. He's delaying it. Well, you, that's not not an excuse. They still have to pay for her mizonot, along with the along with the responsibility to pay for her food comes his right to undo her vows. So he couldn't do undo her vows before, but now once he's paying for her, he can undo her vows. So you see, this is a case where she's uh she they still did kiddushin but not nisuin. And yet the, hus the husband can annul her vows. So we already have the case here. By the way, Chachamim disagree and they say 
Uh, no, the Baal can only annul her vows after the Nisuin. Uh, the, uh, the ability to, the right to annul vows is not connected to his having to feed her. Okay, but for, according to the Be'eliezer, we already know the law. So why would we have it in the future Mishnah and already in this Mishnah? Why did Mishnah have to say it twice? Okay, now before we answer the question, we're going to have two answers. But first, we're going to clarify that Mishnah. And we ask, Hagufa Kashia. That Mishnah is difficult in and of itself. Hold on, you said a Bogeret that in which he waited more than 12 months or more. But you wouldn't need 12 months for a Bogeret. If she's an adult, adult uh, general, generally an adult woman can get ready, can be ready for marriage within 30 days. Um, young, uh, a young girl needs more time. She needs 12 months to get ready for marriage. So it's either or. Um, if it's a Bogeret, then why do you need 12, 12 months, it should be 30 days would be sufficient for her to be ready. And then so she can already demand after 30 days, hey, you have to marry me. Um, so why would you say Bogeret and uh, 12 months? So we, uh, regarding that Mishnah, we said, you're right. You have to change the wording and say, Either she's a bogeret, in which case by 30 days she can demand, hey, you better marry me, you have to pay, you have to pay my food. Or if a na'ara who waited 12 months, that also uh, could, uh, and the 12 months she's, he, he still doesn't marry, after she demanded to be married, then he also he would kick in and have to pay for her food. And according to the Be'eliezer, could undo her vows. Okay, so we're separating into two clauses. By doing that, the bogedit becomes is now 30 days. Uh, okay, still, right now that we clarify that, um, we go back to the question. Well, how come our Mishnah says, greater is the power of the husband that he can undo a vow uh, alone during Kiddushin, um, which is true, but we already know in that, in that Mishnah that says a bogedit can undo a, kiddush, a, a bogedit, who's mikudeshet, once the husband starts paying for a food, he can annul the vows, according to the Be'eliezer. So we said it again there. Why do we need it two times? That's the question. Answer number one. Maybe here, our Mishnah is the main source for this law. And it's repeated there in the future Mishnah only because we want to let you know that that's the opinion of this is the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbanan disagree. This here is not the place to elaborate on all, all, all that. And so the future Mishnah is a, an elaboration, but you have to repeat the basic law and then say that's the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbanan disagrees. So that future Mishnah is an elaboration on this Mishnah, which is the main place. Or the other way around, or maybe there, that Mishnah 73, that's the main law where it's taught. And really that would be sufficient to teach me everything. Uh, but here in our Mishnah, we just want to have balance. Since in the first half of our Mishnah, we say in one way, the father has greater authority than the husband. So we want to rebalance, we want to balance it out and give the opposite and show, oh, there's another case in which the husband is greater of power over the father. And even though you, we know this already from the Mishnah, it's already included in the main part of the Mish, uh, in the main source in the Mishnah in 73, but we want to mention it here so that you have a full balanced picture. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.